Hello everyone and welcome to Celtic Preacher. Someone once said, baptism might just get you wet or it might change your life. How in the world could baptism change your life? How could it possibly change your life? We're going to be looking at that this morning. And we're going to start off by looking at Jesus' baptism. In fact, I think I'll read you the text. It's really short. It's like two lines. We're we're going to be starting in Luke. And this is a little description here of Jesus' baptism. And I'm going to show you some patterns in this uh, couple lines that is something that you've all experienced. Now here's what it says. Luke 3, verse 21. Now when all the people were baptized... And when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. So that's a text that describes Jesus' baptism. In all the Gospels, that would be Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Gospel just means good news, by the way. All the Gospels record this. Jesus is baptized. And he's baptized. Actually, his baptism is the beginning of his very short three-year life-changing ministry. Imagine that. He was only actually teaching for three years. And in three short years, the world would never be the same again. So we've just had Christmas, right? We've just had the birth and we've celebrated the birth of Christ. And then very little is recorded. We have one passage when he was 12 years old and he got uh, separated from his parents and he was found in the temple. But apart from that, we really have no records in the scripture that the canon we use that we that we that rec- record anything at all this is the first time we hear of him now after his birth he's 30 years old and you'll notice that after his baptism everything kicks into high gear it's after his baptism that the heavens open and the power descends that's like the uh, the energy of god It's what we call the Holy Spirit. Another word is, in Acts, it's called dunamis power. It's where we get our word dynamite. The disciples are chosen. The teaching begins. The miracles happen. Everything begins for Jesus after his baptism. So if you've ever wondered why Christian churches baptize, we baptize because Jesus was baptized and we follow his example. Right? We follow his example. Remember John the Baptist's message? Baptism's like a it's like a dedication. It's like a surrender of sorts. Remember, John said, if you're open to this new thing that God's doing, be baptized as a sign. So it's like an initiation, right, really. It's an acknowledgement, a commitment. If you're an, if you're an adult and you're baptized, you're saying yes. Count me in. I'm interested in this. This makes sense to me. I want to follow this one. I want to be identified with him. This way of living makes sense to me. This wisdom, these values. This is how I desire to live. I want to live 
I want to learn how to live Christ's way, which is, that's really what it means to, to be a follower. I'm learning how to live Christ's way. Now, if you're baptizing a child, then you're saying, I'm dedicating my baby to this way, right? This way of living and being in the world. And I want to do everything I can to nurture her spirit so that she can grow up in her faith and in her understanding and the hopes that she'll choose this for herself when she's older. And then, of course, the next generation follows on in the way of Christ, in his way, walk in his way. So there's just a little bit on why the church baptizes. But in this passage, very brief, two couple lines here. You'll notice that verse 21, the heavens open and a voice says, this is my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. And then the spirit descends, gentle like a dove, the energy, the power descends. Really interesting pattern here. And this is something, I like to look at patterns in scriptures that we personally experience. This is an interesting pattern. He commits himself, right? He makes this dedication. He commits himself to listening to his heavenly father. He's given power and he's tested. Now, we don't have time to go into the testing today, but it's interesting because Jesus' experience is our experience. In other words, um, when you look at Jesus' example here in this passage, and we see him dedicate himself to listen to his heavenly father, there he is, he's presenting himself to John for baptism, he's committed, he's listening. The second thing that happens, he's empowered for the task. The commitment isn't quite enough. Something else is needed. Commitment isn't enough. Desire isn't enough. A different kind of help or a different kind of energy is needed. And after he commits himself and he's given power, he's tested. In other words, is he really up to keeping this commitment. Now, the reason I mention this pattern is because most of us can relate to this. We commit ourselves to some sort of change or we dedicate ourselves to something. It might even be something simple like a New Year's resolution, right? So we come before God where it's like a prayer of sorts. God, I'm committing this problem to you. I'm committing this dilemma to you. It's like, help me not get angry with Harry at work. And then something sets you off, and before you know it, you're mad again at Harry, okay? It's interesting because the commitment we can do, it's the follow-through that trips us up. The dedication to change we can do. The commitment to say, you know, I want to change in this area. I want to do something differently in this area. We can do that. It's the follow through that trips us up. Now, when Jesus commits, he can always follow through no matter what test comes. 
And it's not that Jesus has something or had something that we don't have, right? Because the scripture tells us the same energy, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. So it's not so much that he has some sort of extra power that we don't have. It's more, I, I believe this, it's more than, it's more he draws on, he's, he learns how to draw on the power of this Holy Spirit or this energy of God, this extra help. While many of us find ourselves attempting to commit to something or dedicate something and uh, or change in some way, we basically slog it out in our own strength and fail. Many times when we slog it out in our own strength, I am going to be more patient. I am not going to get angry. I will learn how to forgive. Yeah, well, we try. We've got the commitment there. We have the heart's desire. But how often do we fail? And why is that? Why is that? Well, I think we can forget that we've been given power that we've been given extra help. And we can try to do life entirely in our own strength. Now, I don't know if you made any New Year's resolutions, but if you did, you might have caved in already, right? Or maybe you're running into various kinds of resistance, testings, temptation in Bible language. When Jesus committed to a path, Resistance always followed. Resistance is a part of life. But what Jesus models and what he shows us is, is you don't have to give in to tests of various kinds. Yeah. So think of your life, you know. What would you like to do differently? Well, we all want happy, peaceful complete lives, right? If we're the kind of people who worry a lot, no doubt, it's like, I don't want to be that kind of person. It's kind of like a heart cry, isn't it? It's, it's like a prayer. If you are the kind of person who worries all the time, then I'm sure you've said to yourself, I don't want to be this way. I don't want to be worried about things all the time. God, help me to trust you. Help me not be anxious about this. Or if we're the kind of people that are critical and prone to fixing the world, we know that can rob us of light-hearted joy. And it certainly robs the people around us of light-hearted light, light joy, right? If we have too many relational conflicts and we just can't get on with others, because we need to have things done in a certain way and they need to do things. As, that's a problem, right? These troubles eventually become a part of our prayer life in the sense that we want something to change. We want something to change. We start lifting up these things to God. Why is it so difficult to make changes even if we want the changes. You know, for the type of people that like to help, why do we overhelp and then end up tired and resentful? 
if we're the kind of person that, let's say I'm direct and honest and plain speaking, why do I sometimes go a bit overboard and overwhelm people with my opinion? And then it's too late, they're offended. Right? Why is that? I have a friend on her fridge, she's, she has a, a, a little uh, note. Oh, God, help me keep my big mouth shut. Yeah, it's because she opens it too many times, right? Why is that? Or let's take the opposite. If we're quiet and if we're inward types, if, well, if I'm an inward type of person and I want intimacy, but I, it's hard for me to reach out. And I want friends, but it's hard for me to reach out. I never really quite get around to it. Why is that? I'm dedicated, but I keep giving in. Why is it? Why do I get stuck? Why do I get stuck? If I'm fearful, if I'm anxious, if I always look at life and see worst case scenario, why can't I lighten up? I want to. It's not that I haven't tried. Yeah, these patterns of being which actually, all these things I've listed to you, that's all Enneagram work. I'm going to spell it for you in case you want to check this out. E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. It's patterns of behavior. To walk in the Spirit, to follow Christ, is to learn to live another way. Uh, the patterns of being that we so easily fall into may not serve us well. Oftentimes they don't. Can we identify what needs to change? That's really the first step. The first step is can we identify what needs to change? This is not good for me. This is not good for those around me. This way that I have learned how to be in this world is not really helpful. Can we at least... Start there, because this is where true change happens. If we can identify what needs to change. Actually, this is repentance in biblical language. The big thing about walking in the Spirit of God or walking in the, or tapping into the energy of God is that we, we need to learn and we need to practice to not follow our usual way of doing things, our default position, our feelings for some of us, our usual way of doing things. Because the way of the Spirit is not reactive. The way of God is not reactive. It's a different way. It's a different way of approaching life and problems and people and challenges. See, the way of the Spirit is allowing God, is, is allowing the Spirit to interrupt our usual way of doing things. And it's very difficult because for, for many, many people, we just blindly follow our usual way of doing things. We blindly follow our leadings of uh, anxiety or leadings of anger or leadings of defensiveness. Uh, not always helpful, really. Never helpful, right? And we get stuck. And we can't follow through in any changes because we're not following the Spirit's lead. 
What we're doing is our usual default, what comes naturally to us. Now, what comes naturally is different for each one of us because we all have different personalities. But as followers of Christ, we want to learn how to follow Christ, not our personalities. It's a strange thing to say, but when you think about it, there's lots of parts of your personality that aren't particularly helpful. Now, the areas that you do well, if you've learned how to forgive, that's wonderful. If you've learned how to love unconditionally, that's great. If you've learned compassion, if you've learned generosity, if you've learned not to be judgmental, this is all a good thing. We're talking about the areas of our personality that trip us up. If I withdraw when I'm in trouble, maybe God is urging me to move ahead and be courageous and speak. If I move ahead too quickly, maybe God is urging me, maybe the Spirit is nudging me to stop and wait and be quiet. You see, baptism might just get you wet or it might change your life. It really depends what you do with it. Because it's tapping into energy. It's tapping into the power source. It's walking in the Holy Spirit. It's a life changer to be spirit-led. It's a life changer. It's an intentional way of living. It's a life changer to not ignore the prompting or the leading or the correcting of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes the, the easiest way is the simplest way. So I want to encourage you to think of, we're going to do some application here. I want to encourage you to think of one thing that you would like to do or think about differently. Now, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It doesn't have to be the struggle of your life, you know, the struggle that you've had for the last 40 years. It doesn't have to, uh, it's not always good to pick the huge glaring problems. It's good, maybe better to start with something smaller. Something that either you know or you suspect, it would be good for me to change this, it would be beneficial to me, and it would certainly be beneficial to those around me. Because you know, there's a rippling effect for either brokenness or healing in your life. If I am a broken person, now we're all broken at some level, but if I'm really badly damaged, I'm definitely going to be damaging and breaking all the people around me. It's going to affect my entire family and it's going to carry on into the next generations. That's really the sad part about it. it these things are passed on generationally. So, for example, you can say, if, oh, yeah, I've always had, I've always been a, I've always been really bad-tempered, and uh, my father was bad-tempered, and my grandfather was bad-tempered. It's just a trait in our family. Well, it's actually not a trait. What it is is, it's brokenness that's never been healed, and so it's passed on. Now, good things can be passed on too. Compassion and kindness can also be passed on. But 
what I'd, what I'd like to encourage you to do is to think about just one thing that you would like to change. It doesn't have to be big. One thing that you either know or suspect would benefit me and those around me. And pay attention to the Spirit's prompting in this one place. And notice how God gets your attention. Now, it's been my experience, and we all experience God differently, but it's been my experience that the Spirit can be, the Spirit's prompting or nudge can be very subtle. In other words, you can ignore it, right? It's easy to ignore, especially if it's something that's hard for you. But if you, but if you can uh, just pay attention and then follow through, make an intentional choice to follow through on the nudging of the Spirit. This is what it means to walk in the Spirit. This is what it means to follow Christ. Now, change is often slow in coming. So we have to be patient with ourselves. If we've been in a pattern for 35 years, 40 years, 50 years, if we've been doing life in one way for 40 years, we're not going to change it in a week or six months. It's going to take a long time. That's why we, we talk about practicing all of these things. We talk about practicing being a disciple. We're practicing being a student. But the promise is that transformation and change is possible and will happen. That's what salvation means. It's, it's just the word wholeness in the original language of the text. It just means God desires to bring wholeness to our brokenness. There's the heart cry. There's the heart cry. God, bring wholeness to my brokenness. Help me to walk in the Spirit. Help me to walk in the Spirit. Well, thank you for joining me. You have been listening to Celtic Preacher. We've been looking at following Jesus, walking in the Spirit, learning how to be empowered. Join me again next week for another episode of Celtic Preacher.